rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. All right, buddies. Uh, we got a, we got a little slight change in plans this week. Uh, originally, we were going to really, really kickstart the new season of Most of the Harmless. We're going to uh, throw out there an interview with Mr. Kyle Kinney. He's America's favorite new punk rock comedian. This is a guy who's uh, he's done stand-up comedy shows at Fest. Uh, he's got two Comedy Central specials. He's been on Conan tons of times. Uh, he's good friends with the Cheap Girls. He's good friends with my old roommate, Jared, and some of the, um, my old roommates in a band called Raised on a Reagan that all live or lived uh, out in L.A., and he's become friends with those guys. And I was super excited. I uh, spent a ton of time, ton of work on research, had a killer interview already, ready, already. Um, had two different people tell me, yeah, I want to go. Let's go. Let's do it. Both of them at the last, last minute bailed out on me, leaving me home alone to, um, well, I walked down to the grocery store because I was angry to, you know, work off some of my frustration that I was stuck here in Colorado Springs. Um, before that, my, my car broke down in October and I've been vehicleless for last few months. So here I am. I, I walk the mile down to the grocery store. I buy t- two big giant bags of gummy bears. I come home and, uh, I, I, eat my feelings out of those uh, those gummy bears and then I vigorously masturbate to Barbara Streisand and Yentl and finally I, I get to feeling better and, and life's a little bit better but I have made some big profound decisions like we're going to leave Colorado Springs at the end of April should give me enough time to save up some money for a new car and an apartment place to live and hopefully find a new place to actually work in, in Denver I might still work here in Colorado Springs we'll see it's only an hour away but I got to get out of this town before it, uh, it its four walls close in on me, suffocate me. Um, so today's a little bit, little bit of a change of pace. Um, I wanted a killer interview to really, really kickstart. Last week's interview was pretty good with Springer, but that was old. That was old hat. Uh, I'm going to bring you another. I don't want to say old hat, but uh, over the summer I'd lost my job uh, working at this crappy little warehouse called Tech for Less. Uh, please do not ever shop from them. Terrible company. Uh, but thank you for the. Uh, very, very nice going away package of $3,000 you gave me <laughs> that I, I spent on, you know, stuff. Anyway, um, so I, I emailed my good friend, Miss Lisa Root, who is now the former editor of Ant Magazine, but at the time she was she's pretty much the boss. She's the chick that ran things. And uh, I go, Lisa, I'm bored as shit. Give me something to do. She sends me over this list. So like, you want to interview one of these bands? I go, yeah. Of all of them, I hadn't heard of half of them. They're all the haircut bands that you know I'm not not terribly into. And uh, this one, this one stuck out at me. Turbo Negro. That's right, Turbo Negro, the uh, Norwegian death punk rock and roll extravaganza band. Uh, they just got a new lead singer, Mr. Tony Sylvester. And I, I chose them. Uh, I hadn't been too huge a fan but working at the triple nickel in colorado springs that jj nobody owns and runs uh the album apocalypse dudes was on the jukebox so any given time of day you'd hear get it on or don't say motherfucker motherfucker or uh i don't know um good head playing at the bar at any time and i got i got kind of into them nobody's covered them a couple times and uh got really into turbo negro that way and I got my chance to interview them, interview Mr. T- Tony Sylvester. I jumped at it. And uh, let's see. The thing is about print versus the podcast is print is a lot shorter. Um, 
generally I, I overdo it because I'm so used to doing podcasts that I do long form interviews and then come, come time to type them up and get them off to the old, uh, ant magazine factory. And they're a little long. Uh, I interviewed Craig Horky. He's a graphic design artist for a lot of bands. He's done a bunch of cheap girls, t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, interviewed him. I only, I think the word count they wanted was 1500. I gave them, I don't know, not 90,000 words. Some something like that. Something ridiculous. I like doing long interviews. I'm really good at it. And when I try to do short interviews, they kind of, they kind of come up really shitty. And, uh, I'm rambling too much, but uh, but I'm a big fan of this interview. Uh, Tony was—he's just really dapper, really charming, and really wonderful to talk to. And I don't know if that really came out as well in print. Uh, I don't really know if I can post this on the internet because um, it has been in Ant Magazine. But here's the thing about Ant Magazine: is you don't really get paid for it. You kind of just do it to talk to the people and get. It's something that look, looks good on the resume, and it really has opened doors and broken down walls for me and helped me uh, land some pretty killer interviews to be able to say, hey, I write for Am Magazine. I do this dumb little podcast called Most of Harmless. Uh, let's do an interview with such and such a band, and let's see. And, yeah, I'll submit it to Amp, but I don't really submit it to Amp. I just keep it for myself. <laughs> um, so, anyway, I'm really, really stoked on this piece, and it's killer because uh, the issue of Amp that I – it ended up getting published in is issue 111. That's right. It's got Propagandi on the cover. And then in that issue, I got an interview with a band called Diamond. Got another interview with uh, Teenage Bottle Rocket. And then I got, uh, then you flip through the pages, you got Propagandi. I didn't interview Propagandi, although that would have been pretty killer. But you turn the page from the Propagandi interview, and bam, two page spread of my Turbo Negro interview. Damn, it looks good. I'm looking at it right now. My good friend, Mr. Luke Andrews, uh, used to be in Anchor Down. Now he's in uh, Know Your Saints. He is the graphic design master layout dude over there at Ant Magazine now, and he fucking killed it. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Luke. I owe you a big fat kiss. You know where. You know where, buddy. So I'm going to quit rambling. Um, really enjoyed talking to Tony. Oh, you know what? You know what, you know what we're going to do? This is this this has got to be done too. Let's flip flip it back open. This is the uh, first paragraph of the intro I wrote. I was really really excited. I was really really happy with it. Um, so I'm gonna read it to you. Just just the opening paragraph. Sometimes dead is better. That's the lesson we've come to learn from Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. But try telling that to Turbo Negro. Before the death rattle could settle in the Oslo Norway's death punk band's throat. They have pounced back from extinction. But with any resurrection, there are bound to be unexpected changes. Yeah, I like that. That was, that was pretty good. I was pretty stoked on that. Who knows? I'm not... I, I don't even... Whatever. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. We're going we're gonna to open this, this bad boy up, this bad boy interview up with uh, Hello Darkness. It's the second track off their newest album with Tony and first album with Tony singing uh, the album is called Sexual Harassment came out earlier this year on Volcom Entertainment's record label uh, I can't wait to fucking meet Tony Sylvester in real life this is such a fucking cool dude uh, I listened to this interview about a hundred times and I'm stoked on it every time I, it, it literally it's an hour long interview it took me eight hours to type this up and I'm so proud of it um, hopefully you guys get a kick out of it too hopefully uh, hopefully if this is your first time I know there there's a bunch of turbo Yugen? Turbo Yugen. I don't know. It sounds like something from uh, Street Fighter. Hopefully a bunch of you dudes 
please come join me. Come check out some of the other episodes. Please send me some feedback. I love your cult, I mean clan uh, thing. Um, good friends with some of the Fort Collins Turbo Yugen. So please take a listen. Shoot me an email. Let me join your gang. You can jump me in. Whatever. It's all good. Anyway, uh, this is going to be uh, Hello Darkness featuring Tony Sylvester, the Duke of Nothing. Only on Mostly Harmless Podcast. going on man how you doing yeah i'm good how are you uh not too bad just uh just drink like eight cups of coffee so i'm probably speeding a little too much but other than that good <laughs> well what's the time there are you not, uh, it, where are you well it's uh 1 p.m well almost oh. 1 p.m here in colorado i'm in colorado ah colorado where but I, uh colorado springs it's about an hour outside denver yeah i know my sister lived in oh god where did she live <laughs> I think it was Colorado Springs. I want to say it was. Was she military or married to military people? 
funnily enough, she was ex-military at this point, but uh, but she'd been yeah, American military. But so yeah, she was. But we were. Where's the NORAD? We could see NORAD. We could yeah. see from the back of her house, basically. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. That's Colorado Springs. Boom! There you go. I've been there then. All right. Well, <laughs> we've probably been in the same bars then. <laughs> Quite possibly. This was a few years ago, but yes, was, I was definitely still drinking at that point. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, let me just write to Chris, who's probably in a flap, and tell him I've got you on the phone. Chris, oh, wonderful. all good on the phone. I'm on the phone now. There you go. Bless his cotton socks. Yeah, sorry about that. I just got caught up at work. Oh, no, no, no big deal. Okay, good. good, good I've good. just, uh, it, it gave me a look. Actually, I had to poop, and then I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to poop in the middle of this interview. So it gave me some time to get away and make that happen <laughs> well that coffee you know there's there's you know that's that's how it goes yeah uh so how much how much time do we have do you have a little while or do you yeah as long as you as long as you want no plans really i gotta eat at some point so other than oh. that nothing i gotta do that too i probably wouldn't be so wired if i had eaten breakfast <laughs> there, you go. there you go so uh what do you want to talk about come on well, I kind of want to talk about everything. Um, <laughs> so um, you did just recently take over as lead singer for Turbo Negro. This is true. Um, you may have heard this, yes, from yeah, a press yeah. release or something. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's a little rumor I've heard. <laughs> Good. But, uh, but, but I'm a little curious about the years that led up to that first okay. off. Um, you were the lead singer of the band Dukes of Nothing. I was uh, indeed. I was indeed. Right. In is the that- States, we were released by Tortuga. Uh, my friends, our friends at uh, you know Hydrahead and Tortuga put our record out in the States. Oh, okay, I, I would I wouldn't aware of that. I would have picked it up. Mm. And I, I listened to a bunch of. I, I guess you can find it on YouTube. You can find some videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah, well, who buys records these days? But ah, you know I, that's. Well, I buy. Just, I, I buy vinyl. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So so do I. Uh, and then we. Um, so yeah, and we toured with uh, our kind of brother bands in the states was um, Scissor Fight from New Hampshire. I don't know if you know those guys, but they we came over to the UK and Europe. We you know kind of sorted out tours for them, and then we went on tour in the states with uh, those guys in two thousand and three. I want to say maybe two thousand and four. I can't remember now. Yeah, uh, two thousand three. So um, and that yeah so. So we we kind of got over there, but you know we were never really uh, we never really got very whatever never really got the wind behind us in in that sense you know yeah well it's a hard thing to do here oh god yeah well yeah and here too to be honest with you so but it was fun you know that band lasted about five years and um and then the main guys were the guys from Iron Monkey I don't know if it, you know if it, yeah so it was kind of me and that and those guys and then a drummer was in or it was it still is the drummer in Orange Goblin. And the bassist was also in Orange Goblin as well, so we were kind of you know people from other bands as well. Yeah. Have you but, have you have you always been the lead singer of all these uh, different bands you've been in throughout? The uh, no, I started off. I was a bassist in a in a sort of uh, post rocky post hardcore band in the early nineties called Fabric, who was signed to Doghouse, actually another American label, um, and then. I mean, everything I've done since then, I've kind of been singer. I haven't really picked up the bass for a while, but I still piss about with it, but not really seriously. But we did. Um, and then recently, when the, t- when the call came in, the turbo call came in, I was doing a hardcore band with um, some really good friends of mine. In fact, a guy who used to roadie for uh, the Dukes um, called uh, Ben Phillips, and we were doing a band together called 33. Which was very much a uh, which was very much a real basic meat and potatoes um, 
Hagelbein, you know. Uh, right. And then and then here and then here we are. So yeah. Uh, so, like, what what drove you to the microphone? Um, why did you become a singer after? Because uh, I'm one of those. I'm just one of those mouthy fuckers. You know, it was just inevitable. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, it was just like I grew up in. I grew, you know, I was raised in the hardcore scene, and I was, you know, grabbing a mic and always kind of whatever. Just one of those guys, always up front. You know, at shows and everything else. Um, and so it was inevitable. It would happen sooner or later, I suppose. Um, I guess I always wanted to do it, you know, and I always wanted to, I guess, sort of vocally, most of my heroes are still, you know, old hardcore singers, you know, people, uh, John Brannan from Negative Approach, you know, is probably my biggest influence. And also uh, Paul Bearer from Sheer Terror and um, uh, even Dwid from Integrity and, and people, uh, but especially sort of Paul Bearer uh, because he managed to sort of sing as well as have this really incredibly you know, ferocious voice. He also managed to kind of bring some sort of melody out in that as well, which I think is quite a hard thing to do. And John Brandon from Negative Approach, his band afterwards, The Laughing Hyenas, was kind of like that as well. So I was, I was a big fan of them. It's just like trying to sort of marry the gruffness, you know, with, with some kind of melodic sense, you know, mm-hmm. which, ain't, which ain't easy. <laughs> now I'm, I'm about, uh, you're what, 37, 38? I am indeed, 39 in two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> So, and I'm from America. You're a good almost ten years older than me. What what was it like getting in the hardcore scene? You know, when you did, uh, what Probably, what drew you to it? Um, I I think I got into it for most people like uh, through skating. You know, like I, I guess that was that was enjoying that second wave in like the mid '80s. You know, right. And then so it was just like you're just really looking for a soundtrack to that to to that. And then so that, that was kind of inevitable. Um, but the funny thing is. <clears throat> the time when I got into it, which is 87, 88, the big thing in the, was uh, the Britcore bands like Heresy, uh, Stupids, Ripcord. Those are bands that were getting played on John Peel in the UK and getting kind of some coverage in the, in the UK music press like Sounds and NME. Um, uh, but, but then, which I liked, but they were a gateway really to finding like these records that were bands that were already split up, you know, like Minor Threat, Negative Approach. Bad Brains, Black Flag, you know, and so I, I, those are the kind of things I attached to. And, and the, but those records were like two or three or four, you know, even five years old. So it kind of, so it was weird because I kind of felt like I was getting something which was kind of almost, it was already done, you know. Yeah, but, and how old were you? Mm, like 13, 14. Okay, yeah. 14, you know, and then, but then, I, uh, but then this second wave of like straight edge hardcore came through, you know, in the late 80s and, and that kind of coincided with me, you know, really kind of opening up to it and deciding this is what this was you know i was listening to a lot of different stuff you know like different bits of metal different bits of indie rock different bits of you know goth stuff whatever just anything you know when you're that age you just kind of get hold of what you get hold of don't you and kind of attach yourself to it but then when that second wave of kind of straight edge came through youth today and and judge and Warzone and gorilla biscuits that was really like that cemented it really so that was kind of like and you know that, that was my real attachment was formed then you know at probably at age 15 you know uh and so yeah so 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 i guess that that, that was the um and of course it was a completely different time um you really had to search hard for that stuff i mean even doubly so because you were in the uk so these records were all being released on american labels and then being imported in so there was probably only three or four shops in the whole country who stocked them you know and then at the same time it's like 
everything from like the clothes you're wearing, the skate skateboards, everything was kind of like was very exotic and other because it was coming from somewhere else, you know. Um, so I think your attachment was really made from being very actively involved, you know. And then that led on to everyone really being involved in actually doing something as well. Like no one, there wasn't really room for anyone to just ride, you know, everyone had to book shows, you know, be in a band, do fanzines, drive bands around, you know, uh, well, you, everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess, so really that kind of got me, so it ended up sort of being my career as well because I don't know, that's all I'd, I'd ever done. So when it came time to kind of work and get a job, it just made sense that it would be, you know, in a, in, in with music, you know? So, um, that's, that's a similar and, place for me. I, I understand that completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so basically, so I ended up working for um, a really famous group of record labels called Southern Records, um, who were who were releasing uh, all of the Discord stuff, Touch and Go, um, uh, and then you know after, and then when I came involved, distributed uh, Southern Lord and Ipecac and uh, Neurot Recordings, you know. So so that's kind of like it's always been my sort of. Um, I've always mixed kind of professionally, you know, what I did, what I was doing recreationally as well, if you know what I mean, simply because I didn't, that's the only thing I've ever done. Um, and that's sort of, that's basically how I came across Turbo as well, to sort of bring it around to something relevant. Um, was because, <laughs> it's all relevant. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Um, probably about 97 or 98, um, I was working at Southern and, you know, every day these parcels of um, people wanting distribution or, you know, turn up, which are, for the most part are, you know, diabolical, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, so this one typically diabolical package was sort of opened and kind of gone through with great snorting disdain. And But suddenly, halfway down the pile was this copy of Ass Cobra, you know. And so I, I didn't know anything about the band. But suddenly, oh, here was this CD with just so much information on it you know it was almost hard to sort of comprehend which was this parody of pet sounds um but play but but with the characters instead of being the beach boys were replaced with these really heavy set homosexuals with an alsatian you know and it was you know and it's called ass cobra and then you turn it over and then there's all these song titles and then more pictures of male nudity and just everything. It was so, it was like nothing. It was like, what on earth is this, you know? And so it was like, even before I'd listened to him, I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be something, you know, I kind of had high expectations for it. And then the musically, you know, it was loads of stuff that I liked, you know, it was, it was kind of this hybrid of like poison idea, you know, black flag and like early more snotty kind of punk, like the lewd or like old sort of punk rock bands as well. And even going back to like, I don't know, like, um, uh, dead boys and, 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 you know, and like, uh, and like stooges, you know, and those kind of influences as well. So, and the Ramones obviously. So I, I, I loved it. And then I got to see them play. They only ever played in the UK in their first incarnation before they split up. They only came over and played once, which was in 99. And it was on the Apocalypse Dudes tour. But I hadn't heard Apocalypse. It wasn't out. So they, so they came on stage. And, and here this was this very different thing again. You know, here, here was this very kind of glammy, very flamboyant, you know, more camp than it was aggressive. 
um, but kind of a you know mixture of the two thing with this addition of this guy you know this this guitarist is kind of you know stick thin you know flamboyant sort of slightly androgynous uh, guitarist who, who who you know who really didn't feature on Asco. So I was kind of blown away again for different reasons because it was more stuff that I liked you know you know more kind of Bowie more like as I say like Slade and kind of like old uh, glam stuff and then. They were done. They broke up. So, um, so then it kind of became a bit of a sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Became a kind of a bit of a mission, like an evangelical mission on my part to kind of just tell everyone about this band, you know, and kind of like, what do you mean you never heard Tony? Oh my god, you know, just kind of bang on about them all the time. And of course, you know, there was this nascent network of Turbo Jugends, as they called themselves, kind of setting up, you know there was probably maybe only you know there was some in germany and obviously norway and sweden but there wasn't really um there wasn't really any um <clears throat> there was, certainly wasn't any in the uk you know what i mean and there may have been a couple in america there probably was some in america so so we set up a turbo you in london you know just to kind of um just to just just you know, just to kind of keep it alive. And then, of course, the band got back together. So when the band got back together in 2002, then, then, I, then I got to meet them, you know, then I became friends with them, you know? Yeah. Was it a surreal experience meeting them for that first time? Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, I, I, yeah, it really was because it, because because it's almost like I've always been one of those guys who kind of champions, you know, the underdog and, and kind of like... And, and like professionally and otherwise, it's like I've always helped like a lot of bands out, like in their early stages or things like that. And then and then you kind of feel like when they get away from you, they become big, but not in a bad way. But it's almost like I'm really interested in those parts of a band when it's kind of like when they're not quite there yet, if you know what I mean. Right. So suddenly they were back and it was such a fanfare. And then suddenly everyone was interested. So it was kind of like, oh, this is weird, you know. <laughs> like, it sort of changes the whole nature of it. And 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 they were typically like I guess everyone was like I'd probably said to them oh if you come to London there's a guy there called Tony you know who knows this guy who knows that guy who knows these people you know and then obviously all the press people um, got in touch with me because they knew it, people who were doing their press and also the magazines who wanted to run features because they knew I was like this super fan so I kind of got to meet them at the press playback and um, you know Hank did this whole big ritual of like knighting me you know, with this broadsword and, you know, it was really, really silly, but, uh, but we found that we had a lot of stuff in common, you know, same age, kind of same upbringing, you know, skating and hardcore and, um, everything else and same sense of humor. So just remain friends over the years, you know, and then, and then, um, I ended up, I had my own press company and so I ended up, this isn't that interesting, is it? I ended up, oh, doing, no, it's fascinating uh, to me. Okay, all right. I ended up doing their press, uh, for, party animals so then sort of was working with them professionally so then we've always stayed in touch over the years but obviously when they were done for the second time it was kind of like at that point it seemed more permanent because you know they were exhausted i think the first time was more like circumstance stopped them in their tracks which was you know hang, hang overdosing you know um second time around it seemed like everyone was kind of done with the band you know they were I- you know, kind of tired and exhausted obviously Europe boy had, had the uh, had got sick had got cancer Rune had left the band by this time. Chris was pretty much like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done. I don't really want to tour anymore. And um, and so it just kind of, I guess, and then obviously Hank, you know, really ultimately decided that he wanted to go on his own his own trip, you know, his own thing. So so I guess, you know, there it was done. So, But I always 
stayed in touch with him, especially Tom. And uh, fast forward to last year, exactly a year ago, and um, I happened to be in Oslo um, going to see Boyd Rice, of all people. You know, non Boyd Rice, the noise musician? I, know. <laughs> I uh, am not familiar, but I'm sure somebody out there is. We were like, we were like, I decided to go away and see him. And then, uh, and Tom happened to get in touch and was like, oh, what are you up to? And I said, oh, I'm coming to your city. So we hung out and he took me to one side and took me into his confidence. He was like, hey, listen, so we think we're going to do the band again. But on a, you know, on a, obviously on a very kind of, on a much lower level, you know, on a much kind of like, we're just going to kind of see what happens and play one of the Turbo Jugend um, world days because you know regardless of whether the band are together or not the turbo you can still meet every year you know and have this kind of summit in in hamburg that kind of mother sort of land and um so he was saying we're just going to go down almost as a surprise and play who do you think we should get to sing so to be honest i was so like um i was just i just so, so happy to kind of be in confidence you know and like i just thought that was nice anyway like oh you know, they're asking my opinion. That's nice. Um, and so we threw around loads of ideas. But at this point, it was more like guest vocalists coming out and doing a few songs, you know, and just seeing what happened. And then I went home and then a week later, he called or a few days later, he called me up and just said, why don't you do it? You know, and uh, and and of course, I was like, yeah, I'd love to. But at the same time, I didn't really hold out any kind of hope that realistically it would, it would work. Um for a bunch of reasons firstly because you know you just can't you can't think like that you know what i mean it's it's like it seems too far-fetched secondly vocally i sound so different to hank you know um i'm like an octave lower than him you know and have such a different voice and i was just i was just worried about how actual practically how the music would uh you know would would work you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but so that was the first. So that was the first thing. So we got in a room and I chose a couple of songs. You know, we 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 chose a song that I knew would definitely work because it was a little bit lower, which was Zillion Dollar Sadist. So we played that, and it sounded pretty good. You know, and they were like, you know, and it was all bobbing along nice. And they said, right, what do you want to do now? And I had to say, look, I'm really worried, chaps. You know, my voice is so much lower. I don't know what's going to work. And so they said, no problem. And just down tuned. You know, and then we, I was like. Mm. That's a good sign, you know. I thought that was pretty. Well, that was pretty. Uh, pretty flattering. You know? <laughs> so, uh, and then, like within about five or six songs, it was just really. It really seemed to be quite something, you know. Some of his work, and I think they were kind of. They were kind of looking at each other, and I was. No one said anything, and then so after a break, I had a had a cigarette break, and then um, so what do you think, you know? And they were like, "Oh, well, we are in," <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Like, how had I been unaware that the decision had been made? You know, it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so they called So they called up the promoters that, you know, right there and then and said, right, we're doing the show. So that was like, so we were like, all right. So at that point, it was still really about going and playing World Turbo Day. So, you know, fast forward to, so we kept it quiet and then we announced it and then played this show, which we had two rehearsals for in typical Turbo fashion. And then I was sort of thrown out to the lions, you know, in front of the um, the assembled mass of their fanatical, you know, fan base. <laughs> <laughs> and then that went so well that we were all like, all right, let's do this properly, you know. 
Uh, and so here you are today. Sorry? And here you are today. We are today, yeah. So then we worked on the record, got that together, and then now we're ready, now we're sort of presenting it all to the world. So it's been a year of kind of like just working up ideas and getting it all together, and the reactions seem to be pretty positive. So that's, that's a good thing. I mean, honestly, we figured it would be like 50-50. You know, we figured it would be like people, music, eight, well... I really underestimated just how much kind of uh, love there still was for the band out there, you know, like I, because people have such short memories in music and culture in general these days, don't they? You know? So I was just like, Oh, well, they're dead. You know, there'll be some people who are interested, but not really everyone. But reactions have been overwhelming. Really? Do you uh, follow, do you read the reviews and all the uh, message board chatter and all those things? Uh, you dip in, don't you? Right. And then- then you figure it, it's counterproductive in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 re- I read a handful of things, and it's and you're right; it does seem to be about half and half. So it's like, how do you deal with that half and half? And I guess mm-hmm. you just ignore it, right? My experience of what I've seen is like it's definitely more more in favor than out of favor, and I think it's changing a lot now because people are getting to hear it, and so maybe the skeptics are kind of like happy or not. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. Because I'm certainly not going to say, oh, well, as long as we're happy or something, because that, because that's bullshit, you know. But it, but at the end of the day, it's like, if it doesn't start, the five of you in the room don't think it sounds good, then how on earth are you going to present it to everyone else, you know? So the fact that we actually have the confidence in it and we think that it sounds sounds good is kind of like, is, is, is the first step. And then there's no point in doing it if people don't like it, you know, because really all you're doing is, you know, it's an entertainment business after all, you know? <laughs> right. I, uh, I like how excited you sound telling the story. It sounds like you've told it a hundred times. Like, you've got all the beats right and everything I want to hear. But yet, it, you sound genuinely excited and thrilled to be a part of this. And, and that's really... Of course. I mean, I, I told... I probably, yeah. I mean, the basis of the story is that I've probably told it slightly different. Because to be honest, so many interviews I'm doing aren't for people... English is their first language, so maybe the maybe it's easier to talk to like an English speaker and get the you know, get the cadence and rhythm slightly differently. But no, I am. You know, of course I am. And like you know, the main thing is that we spent a long time working on this record. You know, which we and um, and getting it and getting it as good as we could. You know, we recorded about sixteen, seventeen songs, and then chose the ten that we felt were the most sort of strongest, you know, and and the most sort of short, sharp shock, you know, was was just kind of bang, bang, you know, and, 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 and worked in, in that way, which is what we wanted to do. And then um, working with Matt Sweeney, who is, you know, great, like a really good kind of a drill sergeant, you know, type guy. And, um, and uh, yeah, we're really happy with it. And, I've, and and I think and, and the reactions are going out and seeing people live, you know, is everyone's pretty everyone's pretty happy. But of course, it's two things. It's like, yeah, okay, there's the new songs we've recorded, but there's also how I do renditions of the old songs that they love so much, you know. So it's almost like a two two part gig, you know, two part job, you know. Right. Yeah, so. I I'm I'm really just fascinated because like you tell the story, it sounds like you were always destined to end up here it seems like that was the road laid out in front of you does it feel like that does it feel like yeah i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be not really but my dad has an expression which is richard which is called making your own luck which is something that he really instilled in me you know 
And because um, so when people turn around to you and go, you know, well, not really. It's like playing for it is what he calls it, which is like if someone turns around to you and says, wow, that's lucky it happened to you. And you just think, no, I played for that. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of thought went into that. So it's just like certainly it's like I, in no way did I did, you know, no, it was certainly not written in the stars that I would end up seeing Turban. But yeah, if you ask most people that I know or most kind of mutual friends of the bands, everyone, when he, when they suggested it to him, everyone was like, Oh yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> you know, I think it was more of an idea to everyone else apart from the actual five people in the band, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, I think, I, I mean, it feels, it feels a very, it's a very comfortable thing to slip into. It's a very, um, and, uh, and, and this is something we do talk about a lot. Cause obviously the first question we want to know is, well, you know, what's the difference with, with Hank and things like that? But, uh, it, you know, it's, it, I think it's of primary importance to everyone that it that they didn't get someone who sounded exactly like Hank or, or, or had exactly the same sort of energy and presence as Hank because then it would be kind of karaoke or a bit odd, you know? Right, for everyone, right. For fans and for them and for Hank, you know? So I think the fact that they wanted, they wanted to do... So it's almost like... It's, it is a little like somewhere between starting a new band and being in a really... Okay, okay, this is what it's like. It's like having all the kind of excitement of like starting that new band when you're a teenager, you know, and really kind of doing that. But at the same time, having 25 years worth of legacy or heritage, so people are excited to hear it. So it's almost the prime, best position to be in, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I... I, I can't help but bring the comparisons like some people like uh we just we just had pennywise play here and they've got a brand new singer and a lot of my friends are like yeah they've got a brand new singer and people are like how can they start over again with a new singer but oddly enough it works and then you we uh we talk about black flag acdc these are bands that have successfully brought on new singers and had new lifelines it but then again for every there's a van halen with the extreme lead singer you know there are all, all these other bands and so I mean, how, how do you, and that's how you keep it relevant, right? It's, it's like starting over again. Yeah. I think you kind of, I think it's, I think it kind of has to be, I think you have to have that, that attitude of just like, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, um, you're doing something new, but at the same time, it's like you've, you know, as I say, you've got this. I mean, I'm, I am more than aware. I think the Turbo you can, I mean, a lot of them knew me anyway, you know, like a lot of the kind of people, guys you know in, in who were fans kind of knew who i was or or whatever or maybe knew other bands i was in and so it's like i think they hopefully they feel that the legacies are being respected you know well you're a fan not a uh, exactly but at the same time it's not quite like i don't know like steel dragon or something where yeah. <laughs> although that was the funny thing because on the day when the announcement was made i changed my profile picture on facebook to a picture of marky mark in the, you know, in in uh, rock star, you know, right. and uh, and so that was up before the announcement was made. So people were going, "What the fuck is he doing?" You know, like why is? And then oh, you know. So obviously, that's a kind of joking comparison to make, but at the same time, it's more like it's more like the fact that we, you know, we were friends, and so they knew it would work rather than they just picked some guy who was in a tribute band or something, you know. <laughs> It's it's so, still, it's still got to be overwhelming in some regards, right? Absolutely, and the best thing to do about that is not think about it, because if you do, then you that's when you you know, and it starts kind of. I mean, as I say, I totally underestimated the the kind of. I was very naive about the kind of gig, you know, really, 
I, I think that I felt um, it was probably going to be of less interest to people than it, than it has been. Um, but at the same time, I live in London and uh, I'm commuting in to do the band to Oslo. They're all based in Oslo, in Norway, uh, still. So um, that affords me a little bit of distance from it as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, because the thing is, no matter what band you're in, you can be Kerry King. If you get on a plane or go in your local store or whatever, you're, you're not Kerry King from Slayer. You're still some bloke who walks in the store. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like we're not talking like, you know, the most famous people in the world or something. We're still just musicians, you know. Right. So uh, so it's not like you're in a position where it's it's constantly you're on, you know, you're... you're uh, you're um in that role you know what i mean it's it, it, it it's like and it affords me the luxury of just the plane touches down at gardamone airport at oslo and here we go right i'm in i'm in the zone i'm in the mode you know i'm in the rest of the time i don't have to you know i'm it's not you know slightly removed from it which is very different for someone like tom for example because he's actually like a tv star like a bona fide tv star in norway um he has like a sort of current affairs stroke sort of comic uh, uh kind of role over there almost like a kind of john stewart of norway and has a show like on the national tv um and and just won you know like a an emmy like a, Nor- a norwegian emmy for his best male presenter you know so he has this kind of double career so it's very different role for him i'm just some like dude with a beard who you see reading in airports <laughs> basically when I'm not on stage you know You're right <laughs> so it's fine <laughs> but uh yeah but but no I mean it, it, it it's totally surreal and I mean it's great you know it, there's still so many first things that are happening you know like we just headlined this uh the rock card festival in Germany on Saturday you know, headline sold out to like 8,000 people open a venue on a summer's night in Germany to have everyone singing along. These are still pretty, these are things you're not, you don't get blase about, you know? Right. Uh, had had you ever played in front of that many people before? No, hell no. <laughs> I mean, I probably, I've played in, uh, I've, you know, you know, I mean, we may have done like, I think we may have played some gigs, maybe supporting other people where there were people in the vicinity or something, but certainly not as a draw. You know what I mean, or as a as an actual as an actual focal point. God no, you know. I, I, I can imagine it's pretty terrifying, but you just block that out of your mind as well. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not actually. This is funny. I mean, we talked about this. I talked about this with Root. The more I think, mean, more intimate settings are far more um, intimidating to play because you feel like you're under much more scrutiny. You know, you can only see so far into a crowd. You know, and um, and it all becomes <laughs> paraphrase Stalin, you know, one, one death is a tragedy and a million is a statistic, you know, it's kind of the same with gigs, you know, like one person is a, is a, you know, someone who's excited to see your band and you're singing for them and a million is a t- statistic, you know, it's just like, it doesn't, it's a kind of point where it drops off, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I can't believe I just paraphrased Stalin in an interview. <laughs> 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 there we are. Um, so, 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 yeah. So that's kind of so, so. And the thing is, the nerves, to, to be honest, that you get for me manifest themselves in just wanting to get on and get it over with, you know. So it's the kind of waiting around 
you just you just take those nerves and put it in. Yeah, well, yeah no, but no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not trying to be like all fucking, you know, look at me about it. I'm just saying this is like the way that it manifests itself is that kind of like the heart going and the kind of like no, it manifests itself as annoyance and impatience to me. You know what I mean? I just want to go and play because that's the only way that you're going to fix that. You know. So, so the intimidation is almost like, okay, let me get on and let me just let me just get it done. Don't let me wait around for like another hour worrying about it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, so that, that that's kind of that's the best way to do it is just to get to get on because then when you're in the middle of it, you're in the middle of it. You know, and you, it's kind of like, it's a certain it's playing brinkmanship with yourself to a certain extent. I don't think I'm a naturally a, you know, a kind of um, um. Not naturally comfortable in like big crowds of people as well. Like you know, I kind of shied away from festivals and those kind of things. It's not really my cup of tea, you know. So it's again, it's sort of playing a little bit of brinkmanship with yourself, you know. Which is which is the only way to do it. Ow, sorry, I'm just moving around. (laughs) It's fine. I can't sit still either. No, I'm actually. It's because I'm laying down and the dog's getting under me. (laughs) Oh. There you go. All right. Um, Well. I mean, I don't. I like that. I don't even have to ask the questions. You already know the questions I have prepared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, you used to do zines and whatnot, right? So you've yeah, you yeah, what. I've done it. Well, I've also written, I, was, I still write for for people and various other things. I've always kind of written for magazines as well. You know, right. So yeah. you you know what's coming before I do, probably. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, you're gonna throw me a curveball in a minute. Um. I don't know. I I think the curveballs you've already anticipated, <laughs> which was I don't even know about I, I Hank. No, <laughs> oh, I mean everybody's going to ask you about Hank. I'm more interested in the years fine. before, and, and it's obvious, you know, that you know, it's just like, and 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 I'm and I'm glad because you know I was a I was a I mean you know the important thing is that I was a fan of the band, and so it was just like it was no, it, so therefore I was a fan of sort of Hank and his performance and his. Uh, and uh, his, uh, you know, his way of doing things, you know, as well within that. Um, and so I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm trying to do it differently as well, you know. Yeah, and and it is important to do it uh, differently, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, what ways have you gone about to ensure? Other than, I mean, your voice is an octave lower. Other than <laughs> that, I mean, what are what other ways are you making it complete? I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of helped by this in many respects because, you know, everyone talks about like, um, you know, me being a new singer, but Tommy is the new drummer, you know, and he's just like, his drumming style is, is, is real different, you know, to, um, Chris's like, it's much more, uh, aggressive and much more kind of forward leading, you know? So, I mean, really that's changed the sound. Paulie, although still kind of associated with the band, um, isn't in the uh, isn't isn't in the, it didn't play on this record and isn't playing live with us at the moment. So we've lost the kind of the piano and that kind of third guitar. Uh, and Rune's back in the band. Hang on, give me one sec. Close the door. I've got him here, by the way. Yes, he was here. Yeah. I mean, the back it was open. Obviously, I opened it this yeah. morning so he could get out. Yeah, but he would have, he would have 
Sorry about that, some conflab. <laughs> um, so, uh, and so Rune's back in the band. So, so really, I mean, it's like, it's, if you think about it, it's like a band that's gone from having, you know, a just very distinctive singer, very distinctive drumming style, three, guitar, um, three guitars, down to two guitars, different drummer, different singer. So, I mean, just by all that, by nature, it's, it's different, you know. But at the same time, it's still in the song, right? It's still the same songwriters and still the same, you know, right. whatever, you want, whatever you want to say. Still the same muse. <laughs> Can't believe I just said that. But, um, <laughs> so what is, what is the muse for uh, those uninitiated? The, I guess the darkness. The theme is the darkness. You know, the theme is this kind of like this kind of sense of the void, you know, and not in a kind of, um, and not in a, uh, a thorough brow kind of way, but very much in a kind of like acceptance, a kind of like, you know, liberation through uh, hedonism kind of uh, a way, you know? Right. And, and I think um, the best way I can liken it to, especially this record is this record's like being invited. You remember when you were in high school and you were, you were invited to a party at the weekend and it was the it, this was the coolest fucking thing that was going to happen, you know. Like all year, you'd been waiting for this, you know, and you knew it was going to be amazing, you know, because the people who were going to be there, the stuff that was going to go on. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, it was slightly worrying. Like anything could happen, you know. Like it could go disastrously wrong, and I think that's what this this incarnation of the band's about. <laughs> Oh, believe me, I know that very well. <laughs> pretty, pretty much every relationship I get in with a woman, it's like, oh god, how how am I going to fuck this up? <laughs> there you go. So not so just more like it's like you know it, it it's like uh, it's slightly uncontrollable. You know, I mean, there's some you know character wise, there's some strong people in the band, like around the band, and you know, there's still a lot of hedonistic pursuits, and there's still. You know, and then you've got, then you add into that this kind of rabid, slightly insane, um, fanatical following as well, which has become its own entity in its own. Which is which is its own entity and is, you know, uh, almost on a, you know, on a peer level with you. You know what I mean? Right. Certainly not like a. They don't swallow everything you. You know what I mean? It's not like that kind of relationship. It's very much a kind of like, you know. They they make no bones. They'll come and tell you what exactly they think about everything. You know, I've uh, make no bones about that. (laughs) (laughs) I I I can't imagine it being any other way. I can't imagine like I would hate it if it was the other way around. If they liked everything, you know, if I was in your shoes. But I mean, that's kind of. But that's you know, most of those other bands who have that kind of fan base, it's far more like that. You know, those kind of like big bands. You know. You ready? Can you imagine a Slayer fan sitting down with Kerry? I keep coming back to Slayer. Imagine Slayer. Down, oh no, here's a better one then, because I already used Slayer. You imagine Paul Stanley sitting down with a Kiss fan, and the Kiss fan saying, "Yeah, your last record wasn't very good. I think that what you should do is you should be doing this." And da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, that's the common occurrence in Turbo World, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, and, and it seems like they view themselves not only as equals but partners in this. Yeah, thing. exactly. Partnerships in Turbo Negro PLC, <laughs> <laughs> LLC, as you say in the states. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, so we've got. I, I know sexual harassment. That's the name of the new album, right? It is indeed. 
It comes out June 13th here in the States. Day uh, after my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. 39th birthday. For that, yeah. This is true, yeah. And, uh, and, and pretty much a year exactly to the first practice as well. Yeah, what a whirlwind. Um, what, what is, your, process? What is uh, your role in the songwriting process? Well, it's always been a closed shop. You know, as simple as that. It's always been Rune and and um, oh, sorry, it's always been Canute and Tom writing everything uh, lyrically, musically, everything. And um, and part of this part of the new thing is that they really wanted to open that out, you know, and 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 have more influence on there. So, you know, um, I'm right. I'm. I would say of of the ten songs on the record. About half of them were written solely by the, either one of them or both of them. And then the other half has got contributions from me and me and Tommy on them, you know? Right. So, uh, so so that's about right. I mean, certainly it's like not much kind of came from me as a starting point, um, but then I was kind of involved in a lot of it. I mean, I'm a, as I say, I'm a mouthy, opinionated fucker, so I'm not going to be in a band and, and like not say that's not very good, you know, or I think this, maybe we should do this. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's going to happen anyway. So <laughs> whether they like it or not. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that kind of did happen, but then, but, but at the same time, I'm very, very flattered that they afforded me the luxury of, 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 um, you know, of, of working, especially on the lyrics, you know, because it's such a unique worldview, the turbo worldview, you know, it's, it, it is, it is what it is, you know, so, so letting me kind of, um, come in, come in on that and kind of give my input into it was a, is a, is a pretty good thing, you know, pretty nice, uh, pretty, pretty big on their part. Now, how does it d- different from the Dukes of Nothing writing that you used to do? I'm sure it's I, I, mean, I think I mean certainly for my part in the, in every band I've ever been, I've always been where the buck stops, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the Dukes, I certainly wasn't musically where the buck stops. I mean, we were pretty uh, pretty lucky in um, yeah, Stu O'Hara and Dean Berry, both the guitarists were you know had had written material in both of their previous bands, Iron Monkey and Acrimony, uh, and so you know were going to be like the main songwriters but pretty much all the lyrics were me or me and dean and um but in terms of performance and it's as that it's just like i was where the buck stopped in terms of i was happy with the singing or i was happy with the, my part in it whereas of course now i've got these other people to keep happy and certainly in the sense of the recording wise i had a producer an engineer and two songwriters to keep happy so i worked harder at that than I've ever worked on anything, you know, before. And not only that, but trying to marry this very aggressive approach to singing without losing any of the melodic sense as well, you know, was something that we worked really hard on, you know. So uh, hopefully it's all, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, paid off. (laughs) <laughs> you, you you talked a little bit about working with uh, Matt Sweeney earlier. Um, yeah. How did you how did you guys go about choosing Matt to uh, record the album? Um, I think the suggestion came via Andrew WK, who's obviously Ooh, nice. a really good friend of Matt's. 
um, Matt used to manage him, you know, and as always, well, you know, those two are like thick as fees. And obviously, Andrew's a, a huge Turbo fan. So I think he suggested it to Matt, and I think Matt suggested, and I think he suggested it to us as well, you know. And and when the name came up early on by Rune, I was on it like a, um, you know, I was on it like a, I don't know, on something that's on something very quickly, <laughs> because I'm a bit, I'm a, I'm a, I know him from all sorts of things that he's done previously. Um, he worked with. Um, David Tibet in current 93. He worked with uh, Bonnie Prince Billy on their record Superwolf. And of course, he's, you know, I know that he's in the studio. He's pretty much like Rick Rubin's right-hand man, you know. So I was like, yeah, this is a really good idea. We should definitely do this, you know. And and it, what you've got is, you got to understand recording music in a studio environment, for me, is not a natural state to be in. It's like not something I particularly enjoy and it's also not something i think which is which is you know i find the process laborious as as, as it has to be and or, and i'm much more about it you lose so much of the spontaneity you know to to me you know compared to playing live but here's a man who made who basically whose environment is the studio so he makes it seem like the most natural thing in the world to be in there and be doing this you know and and that's really helpful Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else does he bring to the table? You were saying something like he's a drill sergeant. I mean, does yeah. he have as much input in songs? Yeah, uh, yeah he was. He's. He had a very. Um, he, he basically he made he made everything right. So it was. He made you realize that if something's, if you disagree with something, it's what's right for the song. You know, and and and, and I think that kind of played out for the most part. You know. Yeah. Definitely. And also, I mean, he's a big presence on the record. You know, he's a lot of the backing vocals, you know, he, he's on there. He, you know, he plays some leads on the record. And, um, you know, he was just, he was very, very involved, you know. Yeah. Which was, which um, was and then how has early feedback been for the record? I've listened to it. I liked it a lot. Um, what, what, what are else are other people saying? Well, um, it seems to be the same. I mean, I've given it to um, Nate, Nate uh, from Converge, uh, who's you know an old friend of mine and a massive Turbo fan. Uh, he came and sang on the record, and so I just gave him his copy about an hour ago, and he's just I just got had him going, "Holy shit, dude!" <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's always like reassuring. And like the first, I think people, I think yeah, a lot of all positive. I haven't seen a negative review yet. But maybe I'm being shielded from that, you know, with my <laughs> with my um, coterie of uh, advisors and yes men. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, it hasn't been that many reviews yet because the record was completed so quickly to release date that um, it's all been done pretty much on the fly, you know. Right. Um, what What's your favorite moment on the album? Do you have a favorite moment? Um, I really, really, as silly as it sounds, just love the way that it begins because we talked a lot about. I mean, we everything in Turbo World is very um, calculated and very. There's so much effort goes into the meticulousness of of of, of planning things and presentation and everything else, more so than like on any other band. And that's such a fun world to be in, you know, because you get to like. Think about the live presentation, the dressing up, the like, you know, what we're going to do. Everything's really, really involved. And um, so, one of the things obviously we talked about is the intros because they've got this great 
um, history of the of the intros to the records. You know, if you, if you think about it, like Apocalypse Dudes, you know, all of them have had these epic intros. And so we talked about that. We're going to do the epic intro. If we're going to do it, what kind of thing are we doing? And then we were really, really excited just about the fact that it begins with feedback and like plugging in the guitar and then just starts. It's like our own take on the epic intro. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so that's so that for me is like when I, I just get it's a nice goosebumps kind of feeling that kind of like just it's something to start, you know? And then, um, and then there's this, there's, there's some, that sort of vocal performances that I'm really, really happy with, you know, I think it's, some, it's definitely some, some of the best things I've ever done. And certainly, like, I just, you know, I, I can see how my voice improved during the recording and, um, you know, how I, I actually had some help with um, breathing and kind of stamina uh, stuff from um, a vocal coach called Melissa Cross, who's quite well known, like, in the metal world, who wrote the Zen... Um, who wrote that book, The Zen of Screaming. I don't know if you've ever come across it. I haven't, but I'm not a metal singer, so... <laughs> she's like a kind of... She's helped lots of so lots of people out, and she was very helpful to me with... Um, and I can hear, like, you know, how much she's done. Uh, some of my favorite bits of the record. I really like the drum intro on... Um, I really like the way that uh, Shake Your Ship Machine starts... And then I really like the way that uh, Rise Below kind of ended up. I love a lot, a lot of the gang vocals and stuff on it. I really, you know, kind of moments always make me smile. I'm really happy. I mean, Christ, this is an album that we've got Andrew WK playing piano and singing on, you know, Matt singing and playing guitar. on, And then we've got Nate Newton from Converge um, singing backing vocals on two songs. And then on the other end of the schedule, uh, on the other end of the scale, we've got, um, ben Montench from Tom Petty and Heartbreakers playing piano on one song. Oh, wow. I know. It's just like, there's not, I don't think there's many bands who comfortably could have uh, someone from Converge and someone from Tom Petty on, on Heartbreakers on the same record. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not know any of this. It's kind of mind blowing. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, so yeah, on Mr. Sister with the, the very kind of like, the very kind of stoogesy kind of piano. You know, very kind of like rhythmic kind of piano playing. That's, that's Ben Montench from Tom Petty. You just came down, hang out, see what was going on. You know, yeah, I'll play on your record. No biggie. Why not? <laughs> that, was, that was a good moment, let me tell where, you. Where did you guys actually record it at? Uh, at Electric Lady in New York. Okay. How, how was it being in New York recording a big, full album like this in New York? Great, because, I mean, I, I, um, I'm... I, we're both, it's kind of funny. I think the recording kind of ended up being somewhere in the middle between the way that we've both recorded things or worked before. Because for me, it's always been about hurrying up and getting as much time as you can on a little budget, either by working overnight or doing weekends or going and doing a couple of days, going away and coming back. I'm really trying to like fight for as much time as you can get to record anything because there's no budget, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they've come from a world where they've turned up at the studio with ideas but nothing really fully finished and then have written everything in the studio you know and kind of put everything together in the studio at, at leisure and i think you know with um retox i probably took them three months or something to to put together so so we were at this great middle point on that we had 13 days to record and get it finished you know so we had to like work to really prep it beforehand and get everything going on so the so most of the tracks that you're hearing there uh musically at least 
uh, first, second or third takes of everyone playing live in a room and minimal overdubs. It's like uh, even a lot of like Canute's solos are recorded on, on the guitar track as he's doing it, you know? Yeah. And I think that really comes across because I think previous Turbo records have, have always been very layered and very grandiose and very, uh, you know, and, and this one is big, but in a different way. You know, you've got Rune's guitar channel on the left, you've got Canute's guitar channel on the right, and you've got the bass, drums and vocals straight down the middle. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a rock record, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I and, love I love live records too. Those are, that's and, that's and the I, best. You know, way. I'm not going to sort of give it to service. It's a, you know, it's certainly not a live record. It's like there's a lot of you know we we spent a lot of time you know in editing and obviously vocals wise you know we, we you know we spent a lot of time on the arrangements and everything. But but for the most part, the actual the basic elements there. It's like it's it's they they were ready. They wanted to get in and they wanted to do it, and we got in and did it. You know, and that comes out June 13th. It does. Um, you were talking about presentation. Now I know, like the live presentation, you guys have a certain style. And then for yeah. you, you're a very dapper gentleman from the photos I've seen. How do you fit in with that style? Well, they, um, that was the first thing. It's like as I, as I said, like when we were in that first rehearsal, though, it was like almost an art. It's a very Norwegian way, though. It, it was like, oh yeah, you're in. Yeah, very understated, you know. Um, but of course, the first. But then it was almost like. So, what are you going to wear? How are we going to do this? You know, <laughs> so that was like that was sort of more of a concern than me actually joining the band. Was like, you know, the sex, the next stage. You know, what are we going to? How are we going to do this kind of thing? Um, so, really, up until now, I, I mean, you got Turbo's heritage. Really, is being a kind of like pretending, especially at first, pretending to be a stadium band when they were playing in small clubs. You know in a way of like getting under the skin of like punk and hardcore people. So, you know, guitar solos weren't you know, de rigueur, uh, nor was like the wearing of makeup and, you know, going down and you're flamboyantly playing, you know, having pyrotechnics and stuff when you're playing in like a small club in Germany to like 150 people, you know, these were all tricks of the kind of turbo trade, you know, somewhere along the way, they actually became a stadium, but you know, or like a big band. <laughs> so, <laughs> So kind of the way we look at it now is it's like, you know, how reactionary or how you know right is it for us to do a lot of that big stuff now when the kind of meaning's gone, you know? So presentation-wise, um, I guess it's twofold. Firstly, this kind of what I'm wearing on this character, it's a lot. It's given it, me joining Turbo has given them a lot more scope in terms of just more things that they can play with, more imagery that they can play around with. And because I'm English, you know, I'm bringing, I can bring in these, you know, all these kind of English cliches, you know, like <laughs> everything from the football hooligan through to like Jack the Ripper, through to Benny Hill through uh, Jekyll and Hyde, you know, Victoriana, uh, like, the, you know, the stiff upper lip, the kind of, you know, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, you name it. It's just like, you know, how English people are viewed with the world is, you know, it is a funny and enjoyable thing to sort of play up to, you know. So so certain parts of those elements kind of come out in both the presentation and in my, like, my performance and my dress, you know. So I guess I'm kind of, I'm dressed as sort of, for the most part, the set I'm dressed as somewhere between Alex from Clockwork Orange and a gamekeeper from a D.H. Lawrence novel. That's kind of the idea. And then halfway through, or for the encore, then I'll change into the classic, the classic denim kind of setup. You know, right. 
and the crowd goes wild. But that, yeah, not a dry seat in the house, etc., etc. And then, um, and then, but then, you know, because we're doing, because we've got this run of like thirty festivals in the summer before we come out and play in the states, um, we're going to be adding some some new bits that we're talking about now. Some more flamboyant touches, shall we say? Now, in, in doing my research, I came across: Are you really a uh, a model, a male model, of sorts? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, how I jokingly referred to it, semi-jokingly, because it's true, in the uh, in the uh, original press release was part-time plus-size model, which right. is, <laughs> is definitely the best way it can be described. Yeah. Which is yeah, which is odd, but I mean that's entirely it's sort of a separate thing. But yeah, it seems to happens as well. Well, I, I found tons of uh, photos of you in awesome suits that I wish I could get my hands on because, <laughs> and if I could look that good, I would every day. Uh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, today I'm fairly relaxed in my jeans and uh, button down and pimsoles, but there you go. But um. But I think, but that that kind of feeds into the whole thing, you know. Turbo is about um, not just walking on stage in, you know, your kind of you know your t-shirt and, and and what you do, but but an overstated, you know, and 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 a, and a uh, thoughtful presentation. And of course, all those things are are all part of it, you know. So so that's something that I'm really enjoying being part of and playing around with, you know. Great. Uh, so what are you looking forward to the most in the coming adventures? There's talk of um, countries I've never been to. I mean, that's a big part of it. I was on the phone with a, um, someone from Finland today. I've never been to Finland, you know. And uh, I've got friends there. I've got you know people who live in London who are from Finnish extraction, you know. So that's going to be really good. There's talk of going to Australia at the end of the year. Never been to Australia, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, I've always been a firm believer of like when you go on tour, you, you really, it's like to really get the most out of it. It's 23 hours of doing fuck all for an hour of work, you know? Right, yeah. And, hurry, and so, hurry up and wait. Yeah, hurry up and wait. So the only, the, only, the, the only way that you can get anything out of it is by actually, you know, actually going into it with, with some kind of um, interest. You know, and uh, and so I've always found touring to be about getting out and hitting the uh, local towns and cities, going to the town square, eating the local delicacies, meeting local people. You know what I mean, and that kind of thing, rather than just staying on the nightliner, sleeping over, sleeping off a hangover. You know, right. and um, so I'm hopefully that's giving me a lot of opportunities to 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 do that. You know, that's, that's really what I'm looking forward to. I mean, I'm getting to spend time in Oslo, a city I didn't really know before. I've been to a couple of times, but now it's, you know, my second home. Or yeah. um, And then, um, you know, I'm traveling around to, uh, to to various places. I mean, it's a, you know, could be worse. could be working in a mine, you know. <laughs> could be, always, you always have to say this to yourself, it's like, most people's lives, you know, are not are not that interesting in the modern world. You know, it's just like I've found something which can incorporate uh, travel, uh, a certain amount of um, comfort. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise, it's like it ain't a bad gig. You know, 
at, at, the, at the end of the day, do you still have to pinch yourself to make sure this is really happening? No, no, because that, that's the thing. I, you know, no, because it's still work, you know, and it's still, you know, still, it's still, still something that, uh, it's not something I can do in my sleep. You know, it's still, it's still something which I, I'm working hard at doing. I'm still something that I'm improving in uh, my own personal craft, you know, right. in, in doing it. It's just like, I can sing a lot better. I mean, Christ, the bands I've been in, you know, every I've only ever played 17-minute sets, you know, in every band I've been in, but because for whatever reasons, you know. 33, when we were going on tour, we would play 9 to 12-minute sets every night. That's the kind of music it was. So now, you know, you're being booked to entertain people who paid a lot of money to come and see you, and they're getting 90 minutes, you know, or 75 minutes or whatever. It's just like, that's, you know, that's that's been... That's taken work on my part, you know, just just for stamina and physicality of nothing else, you know, and um, and also, you know, I'm still getting to grips with a band's catalogue, which is, you know, eight albums long, five studio albums, six studio, whatever it is, nine studio albums, you know, it's like uh, it's like it's still, you know, I'm I'm putting the work in. Yeah, what what what's your favorite song from the back catalogue? <laughs> Always like zillion dollar sadist. I've always liked. Um, there's a couple I really like off Retox. Uh, Do you dig destruction? And um, back in denim, I particularly like off that record. Um, and then off Ask Cobra, some of those ones, a dazzling display of talent. Like the first song I ever heard, the first song off Ask Cobra, I still really love. Um, what's, so, what's your favorite one to do live? Mm, do you dig destruction is 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 always pretty good and fuck the world actually which i which i had my doubts about about um i didn't know if it was one that would particularly lend itself well to my style but has been a a joy to play and to bring people because that one's got you know you know it's it's got a lot it's got a lot of dynamics in it you know for, for for a band which is you know when you're in a band which is basically very much kind of two guitars, bass, drum set up, you know, and, 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 and kind of, and for the most part, fast and mid pace. To have a song like that, which is effectively like a very grandiose, big, almost operatic number, that's great, you know? Yeah, that's, sure. That's good, that's good fun. Cool. Um, so the album comes out in June. Uh, what are your plans for the next year? Are you going to come dominate us in the U.S. here soon? We're going to come and tickle your fancies. I don't know about dominate. <laughs> we're going to come and give you a frisson, a suggestion of our talent. <laughs> we're, we're coming out. I don't know if you can, uh, I don't know if they've been announced yet, but uh, we're coming out in, um, uh, uh, after we've done the run of uh, um, festivals in Europe at the end of August for for a handful of shows in the States. I know this. But they're not announced yet, so I can't tell you where they are. Oh, but there, it's going to be some American shows then. And then I guess I'm hoping that we'll come back um, maybe in the spring of next year, you know, and do do it do it up proper style. Great. Any idea who you're – are you bringing anybody with you guys in August? Any idea? Um, I, I'm very happy. I, I've heard a rumor that on one of the shows at least that uh, Doom Riders are playing. Okay. Uh, uh, which I'm very happy about because – they kind of feel like a good brother band to us. You know, I know we're all fans of the band individually. I know them all, you know, and, uh, that would be great. Um, we just played in Germany this weekend with, uh, Cavell attack. who came over with us 
from other do you know those guys at all i, I don't but i will go immerse myself now yeah, yeah. kv uh e-l-e-r-t-a-k which is uh norwegian for stranglehold or chokehold and they are mind-blowingly good they kind of got a They've kind of got that entombed sort of death and roll thing going on, but with a little more, um, um, a little more pizzazz than usual. And they're just they're, they're solid, good guys, you know, and and just a great band, you know. And it was it was so nice to have them play before we went on in Germany because it really kicked my ass to work hard, you know, and be better than them. <laughs> and. Uh, and also, you can hear you can hear the turbo kind of in their sound. It's almost like it's kind of in two mid poison idea. That's probably the best way to describe them. But uh, definitely worth checking out. I'd love to t- go and do some more shows with them. Maybe bring them on out because also they're a band that people, you know, I think people will really take to. You know, I'll start very, spreading. They're the, very special. I'll I'll start spreading the gospel as soon as we're done here. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm about out of things. Anything I miss that you'd like to talk about? Mm. You know, Mister journalist <laughs> no it's fine not really i think we're uh i think we're i think we're good i mean it's what, what you know it's whatever you've got is this for two different interviews then is that the idea well um this is going to be for hails and horns which is a subsidy of another magazine called amp um, oh i see so it's it, like, okay yeah, that, that right. makes sense yeah, and yeah. then and then in my spare time i do a podcast where i interview bands just like this and just throw up the audio so if they right. let me i'm going to throw the audio up on my website which uh i got andrew wk I interviewed him about a month ago i don't remember him saying anything about turbo negro in that interview but <laughs> now i wish no. i wish i had known i would have questioned him. no i'm joking <laughs> we, we, we talked a lot about taco bell in that interview <laughs> good nothing wrong with that yeah. have you had the uh you know what i'm excited about it's the uh, Dorito shell tacos. Oh yeah, I've had them. Um, they've they're better after you've been drinking. But you said earlier you've stopped drinking, so it's kind of no, no, no. I haven't stopped drinking. Sorry. Oh. Uh, I had a period of of not drinking. I'm not drinking as much just because of my voice, but uh, I'm definitely drinking. So okay. no, that's no problem. You know what? I, 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 if Taco Belvo, I haven't had it for like a long time. And and I and it's funny because I remember that the last times I used to have it was because I was vegan, if you can believe that, and uh, or vegetarian as well. And so so the bean burritos were you know like a kind of a staple. Right. And then I hadn't had it for years and years and years. And then recently, there's one in the UK, right? One in the south. And it's I was hanging out with a friend of mine. We were bored on a Saturday afternoon, we'd, we'd got up early, we'd gone and had breakfast, we'd done everything we needed to do for the day, and it was about midday, and we were like, and it was raining, we were in the car, and I was like, what the fuck are we do? He was like going, God, I don't get got Taco Bell like we used to, and I was like, you know, there is one. And and, we, and so we Googled it, you know, the great modern world where all information is at your fingertips, and discovered that it was like 20 miles outside of London in a, in a shopping centre. So we're like, let's go. So we drove... <laughs> on this mission to go to like the one Taco Bell and uh, bought enough to eat for lunch uh, bought, and then bought enough to like take back and have in the evening and even some for the next day but uh, my, my main thing uh, is the bean burritos are still good very consistent but that stuff they call beef is that is a <laughs> horrible horrible concoction what on earth is it? You know I worked at a Taco Bell for six weeks and I'm not even sure it's some kind of 
uh, meat and vegetable paste with food flavoring. I don't know. <laughs> right, I got you. Because that's kind of what it tastes like. It kind of tastes like that, you know, fake mints, you know, that they serve vegetarians, but with a but mixed with beef. So there you go. Right. That's exactly what it is. But my God, that is a disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I'm thinking to strictly vegetarian in the Taco Bell world from now on. Are you still vegetarian in the real life? No, God no. Okay. no anything moves, I'll I'll eat it. You know, <laughs> that's, that's definitely the yeah. There's been some good. Um, I'm a bit of a gourmand, and so there's been some good. There's been some good uh, turbo moments on that front. You know, eating a Chateaubriand of horse. You know, that was a good one. Yeah, I, very I, very good. Yeah, I would try that. I'll I'll eat anything as long as it's cooked, pretty much. Yeah. Really? Well, well, we'll see. So maybe not. Maybe not a beat, uh, a horse tartare then, or something. Well, maybe, maybe we could try it. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I tell you, it's funny. Horse meat is. Uh, I'm a big fan of horse meat and venison and pretty much any meat. But um, the biggest exporter of horse meat in the world is the U.S. Wow, it doesn't surprise me. We don't eat it over here at all. Yeah, exactly. So, so you export it around the world. Because you've got the biggest sort of, I guess, you've actually got the biggest population of, sort of native population of horses, and you don't eat them, so it's kind of fascinating. <laughs> so it's the perfect storm for uh, for horse meat export. <laughs> so that's I wish we talked about, and we did. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Tony, this has been this has been an absolute pleasure. Like, ho- hopefully, when you guys make it to the states, you can me can grab a few beers and do this. Yeah, in sounds good. Sounds um, if you need, if you want to do it, if there's any kind of if listening back, if it doesn't make any sense, then just drop me an email or something. You know, if there's anything you want to clear up or whatever. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I've got your email now, thanks to uh, Chris. So we'll, cool. we'll do that. Yeah, man. All right. Well, well, thanks for chatting with me. Uh, no honestly, problem. I can't. This has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. So yeah. thank you so much. All right, man. All right. I'll take care. All right. Bye bye. All right, buddies. Thanks for uh, tuning in and listening. Um, again, thank you to Miss Lisa Root. This wouldn't have happened without you. Uh, I should be sitting here. I should be working on an interview I got to do tomorrow with Ryan Young from Off of Their Heads. Their new album is fantastic, guys. You guys are going to flip when you hear it. Uh, pretty much one of the best punk rock bands going right now is Off of Their Heads. Uh, tomorrow, AntMagazine.com, uh, the day this actually goes up on the air. I, I think my Bad Religion interview is going to be posted. Pretty stoked on that. So I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people. And they've really helped me open a lot of doors. Those guys over there, Am Magazine, I owe them everything. Lisa Root, unfortunately, does not work for them anymore. But for, fortunately, it uh, looks like she's got some big things coming up on the horizon that hopefully she'll let me be a part of. Um, Killer Chick, Mega Babe, Lisa Root, owe you. Uh, please check out mostofharmlesspodcast.com. I'll have a link to the print interview of this in case you didn't want to listen to it. But you wouldn't even be hearing this if it hadn't been for that. Guys, I've had a pot of coffee today. I feel fantastic. And, uh, yeah, mostautonomouspodcast.com. Check it out. Please like us on Facebook. Please click on the little iTunes thing and leave us an iTunes review. These all help us uh, get more interviews. People see that people actually listen. People actually care. And thank you for supporting. Um, I couldn't do any of this without you guys. Hopefully soon I'll have a new vehicle. Um, like I said, I think I said in the intro, I recorded like five intros. I can't keep straight which one, what I said and which one. Uh, we're going to be moving to Denver in the end of April. New car, all that jazz, more interviews, more fun, more retardation. And uh, maybe I shouldn't use the word retardation, but you know what I mean. 
I hope you know what I, know what I mean. I don't know. I'm just rambling now. Um, again, thank you guys for everything. Um, please shoot me some email. Shoot me some feedback. Feels like I'm just shooting blanks down a hallway, and I'm not. I, I barely ever get any feedback from this, and I'd I'd love just to get something. Like I I love interview. Uh, the emails to say, man, this guy sucks. Shut the fuck up. Stop talking about yourself. Get to the interview. That's all we care about. Makes me feel happy. Makes me feel good. So, Mr. Tony Sil- Sylvester, I can't wait to sit down at the bar one day and grab a drink with you. Absolute mighty fine pleasure to talk to you on this fine day that we did this. Um, hopefully you're okay with it being up on the internet in a podcast form. I think you will be. Uh, we're going to end this this episode with another track off Sexual Harassment. Please check it out. Volcom Entertainment. Uh, this song is going to be is called Shake Your Money Maker. Please visit MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. Please, uh, please. That's all I got, guys. Please. This is uh, Shake Your Money Maker. And if you want to send me videos of you shaking your money maker to this, this song or this podcast, please do. All right, buddies. We'll see you next week. You're a big girl, ain't you?